Why do Democrats hate Americans so much? When Hillary was running for president, she said half of Donald Trump's supporters were, quote, a basket of deplorables. Recently, Joe Biden, at a speech in Philadelphia, told America that half of us are semi-fascist terrorists. Under the First Amendment of the Constitution, we have the right to express our opinions. And if we disagree with the left, they don't have the right to take away our freedom of speech. Clearly, the statement by Hillary and Biden are designed to silence the conservatives in America. Many Americans find it easier to go along with the left and give up their right to disagree. What would America look like today if our founding fathers would have given in to the king and not fought for their freedom? Today we must fight to take America back. Join the new generation of patriots who believe in the Constitution. Join the new revolution in America. Welcome back to Black and White. And joining us today is uh, a gentleman who's been on our show several times and he is my go-to guy when i want to talk about the law to keep me out of trouble he is assistant prosecuting attorney and his uh, john o'connor uh welcome to the show good to be with you dan yeah and i'm sure you've been doing a lot of interviews so i'll try and not be uh redundant for you um what is what is your personal take about what's going on in new york I think anybody that is honest about this, and I include the moderate Democrats in this, anybody that's honest has to say, this is a terrible prosecution on so many different levels. And there are so many factual and legal hurdles that have to be surmounted here that it doesn't make for much of a prosecution. That said, given that it's going to be in Manhattan, you're going to have a, a, court, a judge there who's got to get reelected. All his friends are going to be rabid uh, Democrats. And the jury pool is going to be rabid Democrats, 85% registration in Manhattan. So there well could be a conviction here. I'm not ruling that out. However, if I were king of the world, if I were judge on this case, I'd throw it out on a couple legal grounds. And I, and I don't know the New York case law on how you interpret the statute of limitations as it pertains to the time you're outside of the jurisdiction, when can that uh, toll the statute? That is, it doesn't run when you're outside. I know there are different cases with different interpretations of that, because this is brought seven years after the event in question when the statute of limitations is five. But put that one aside. They may, he may punt on that and and. Um, and, and, and accept the prosecutor's version that it's any time Trump's out of New York, you can extend the statute. But let's get to this. The main one is this federal crime that supposedly Trump was covering up is the New York statute allows you to prosecute a false financial record in New York if it is for the purpose of covering up a crime. Now, another crime. Now, the problem is the other crime, does the statute mean another crime in New York, or can it be another crime in California or the Philippines? What do you mean by another crime? Uh, that's one problem. So can the judge here, as a matter of federalism, instruct the jury on what a federal crime is? What do you have to do to show an election law crime? I just don't think that New York courts have any jurisdiction enforcing a federal statute nor should this statute in New York be read to allow such. But, okay, but let's even now, let's get over that hurdle and say, okay, you can enforce a, a federal law. Now, the real problem is the Federal Election Commission says that it's not a proper campaign expenditure 
to spend money on personal items that would have a benefit outside of the election. Even if you mean to spend it for the election, it's not a campaign expenditure that is proper. Example, I decide that I think $10,000 suits are going to help me in my campaign. If I spend $10,000 out of my campaign money on suits, rather than that being a valid, even though it's for the primary purpose of me running for office, doesn't matter. That's for a personal benefit, a benefit other than the campaign, and it is not uh, for the purpose of influencing election or or solely. I, I would say solely, and so I can't spend that money out of campaign coffers. So is it illegal not to put down something like that on your campaign uh, lists of expenditures? And I say no. You can't spend it. It's not a campaign expenditure even though it may help you in the campaign. So when Trump spends $130,000 to hush up his mistress, as John Edwards did, that's not a campaign violation. John Edwards was prosecuted, but his case had a little different wrinkle. He had the added issue that two of his backers, Bunny Mellon, a very wealthy heiress, and Fred Barron, a big time class action lawyer, contributed $900,000. They didn't contribute it to his campaign. They paid off his mistress $900,000. Those were campaign contributions. It was done to help John Edwards run for office. Maybe so. They got no conviction there. And it's a tangled mess is what it is. It's a tangled mess when you start talking about personal expenditures that also can help you in your campaign. So uh, from what I've heard and seen of the federal elections people, a payment to a mistress cannot be a campaign expenditure. Trump concealing it or not putting it down is not a crime. And he did not get this money from at least at least he didn't get the $130,000 from anyone else. I think there's also an issue here, Dan. There's a $150,000 payment from the guy at the National Inquirer, uh, Hecker, I think is his name, who paid uh, one of his mistresses, McDougal, 150000 and then did for a story and then didn't publish it. So I think the theory is there that that is a campaign contribution. But once again, and Trump didn't list it, but once again, since that's not a legitimate campaign expenditure, how can you be faulted for not listing it? Is that a campaign contribution? Well, it can't be a campaign contribution because it's not for the uh, for the sole purpose of influencing election. It's a thicket here. It's a thicket. And so the judge is going to come in here. And if he gives the instructions that the prosecutor wants, the jury may convict. Um, but I don't think it'd be proper. And here you have, this should be a federal law matter. And Trump's not going to have the benefit of a federal judiciary that interprets these statutes. So John, uh, thank you for all that. That was extremely helpful. I want to get back to what I would consider a poor man's question. If I listened to everything you said, and I did very attentively, is it possible, and, and this is because I don't know, there's talk today that he brought on two new counsels. One of them is uh, expert at dismissal. Could Trump's lawyers in today's hearing in the courtroom request a dismissal of the charges? Oh, of course. Uh, I, I just named two. One of them is the statute of limitations. Uh, that's one that you can dismiss on the papers. Um, and, and again, you'd have to have the law applied in a certain way. And the second one has to do with this question of whether a federal crime 
can be part of the New York statute, in which, in other words, you're, the whole idea is you have to be covering up a second crime. Can the second crime be a federal crime? Can it be a crime in France? Can it be a crime in North Carolina? I mean, where it, 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 that may rest on interpretation of the New York statute. So both of those things can get Trump out immediately. But what it's going to have to do, it's going to need a straightforward, not partisan judge at the lower level and an appellate court above him that's nonpartisan and won't look beyond the uh, blindfolds to see who this is they're dealing with. I think it's very hard to do. I agree with Alan Dershowitz that all these people are running for election, including the appellate court justices. So do I see this happening? Unfortunately, no, I don't. And I think people across the country are going to say, wait a second, not only do we have a partisan prosecutor, but it's going to make the judges look partisan. I hate to say it because I don't like to criticize judges. They're human beings. I, I just don't see it uh, happening here, Dan. So even though you believe that the uh, the case that's going to be presented by the new attorney who specializes in dismissals, even if he has a compelling case, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, John, you believe that this judge will not grant dismissal. He needs, for political reasons, for this trial to go forward. Oh, absolutely. And this is an obituary making case for him. You know, if he were to die 20 years from now, people would say the judge who presided over the Trump trial. Oh, this is a big deal for him. And yes, I believe the white collar person that they brought on the lawyer um, is excellent and will make an excellent case. He's just very top notch. He's going to have a perfect brief or briefs on the on the papers here. And you're not going to get a better deal in him. And Joe Tacopina, the other fellow, is a really good trial lawyer, in-court lawyer. So Trump's smart. He has a good team. But I don't care how well he writes these things. I think, uh, like I say, I think the judge is going to peek under the blindfolds of Lady Justice here and, um, and, and not dismiss this case. So if the Trump attorneys uh, uh, ask for dismissal, what's and we've got about 30 seconds before we can take a break. Uh, we can finish it after the break too. What's the likely process for the judge to consider? What 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 has to happen? Well, the judge will consider the briefs, which might get this thing might get decided within the next month, and he'll turn those briefs down, and then the lawyer will immediately ask what they call an interlocutory appeal. That is to say, an appeal before the case is ended. And I think in New York you can get such an interlocutory appeal. So before the case goes to trial, you can appeal these rulings on, on, on pure law. And I think that's what will happen. Two motions, they'll get denied, or two bases for dismissal, they'll get denied. It'll go up to the appellate court. The appellate court will deny them, and it'll come back down to try the case. That process will take a, a few months. I think the appellate court will act with dispatch. So that'll take three or four months. Uh, but... This case is not going to get tossed out, in my view. I uh, hate to say that, hate to think it, but if I'm a betting man, I'm putting my money on the fact that it's not going to be dismissed. We're talking with John O'Connor, uh, prosecuting attorney and former assistant U.S. attorney. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with John in just a moment. Will more than two banks fail? Is it time to buy gold? Recently, the FDIC took over two banks that were in trouble. Now we have reports that an additional 20 regional banks 
have in excess of $650 billion in bond losses. The Fed admits that their increase in interest rates have done little to bring inflation under control. They may well increase the amount and frequency of interest rates. Isn't it time to consider gold in your portfolio? From January 1st, 2023 to today, the price of gold is up twice as much as the S&P 500. Go to blacksandwhites.us, click on the gold bar, and reach out to Advisors Metals and ask Ira, is gold right for you? Call now. It's important. Welcome back. We're talking to John O'Connor, and we're talking about the issue of the day, and that's the initial hearing for Donald Trump and what it looks like. John, take a moment and tell us what you think is likely to happen to the appeals and what's likely to happen over the next several months in what's going on in, in New York. Yes, I believe that with Trump's new lawyer, he will put together two very good motions to dismiss, one on the statute of limitations, one on the federal crime issue. And uh, there'll be very good briefs and the trial judge will not take the chance of dismissing them it's, he, he's got 85% Democrats out there. He can't be the guy that throws out Trump's case. It'll go up to the appellate court, which, which they can do on an expedited basis for an interlocutory appeal, that is to say, before the trial. And I think the appellate court will turn that one down. John, now, let me ask you a, quite, let me ask you a quick sure. question about that. Is that appellate court a state court or federal? No, state court. Okay. Yeah. Would the would the Trump t team be able to appeal to the federal courts at all in any of this? No, they wouldn't, and that's the issue because they're interpreting the state courts are interpreting a federal uh, federal uh, crime, which they shouldn't do, and they don't have jurisdiction to do. But nonetheless, if they say we're doing it, they're doing it. Uh, so that's an but issue. But does that violate any of the rights of Donald Trump? To a fair trial? Well, I think it does. I think it does. But and you have to have that right vindicated by people in New York. And they have to say, what are we doing interpreting? We have no basis to interpret or enforce federal law. And yet the key crime here is the federal crime. Where do they get jurisdiction? Now, there are, there are times when federal courts have jurisdiction to interpret state law uh, for various reasons in the Constitution, but this is not the same uh, thing. States do not have ability to enforce federal law. That's part of the supremacy clause. I don't think they can do it. Uh, now, are they going to be wise and honest enough to say that we shouldn't be fooling around with the federal law? I don't know. So if, if, if you correct me again if I'm wrong, from what I've been able to read, and not a lot has been published about the, the prosecutor's case, the 13 or 15 or 30 charges that they're going right. to charge against Trump today when they release the charges. But right. am I correct that the principal witness before the grand jury was Mr. Cohen? Yes. And what Cohen brings that, that it was not brought to bear in the uh, John Edwards trial is you now have a witness that will say, truthfully or not, <clears throat> I talked to Trump and he acknowledged that these payments, both the payment of Hecker, the National Inquiry guy, to one mistress, and my own payment, Donald Trump's own payment to Stormy Daniels, both of those payments, he will say Trump told them were primarily for his election chances, 
maybe he'll say it was solely for his election uh, benefit. And 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 uh, even though uh, Cohen may be cross-examined on these issues, especially about his shady character and his tendency to lie, nonetheless, if the jury believes Cohen and the judge instructs the jury that intentionally spending money for the purpose of influencing an election, if you find he intended that, then you can find him guilty. And if that's the case, um, the combination of believing Cohen and the judge instructing him, Trump can get convicted. So much depends on Cohen's credibility and the way um, that's going to play out in front of the jury. Um, so that's something to look at. The other thing, Dan, I would look at is how will this play out over time in the both the Republican primaries and in the general election? The common trope is today that this prosecution makes Trump stronger in the primaries and against DeSantis and other contenders, and maybe weaker in the general. I agree about weaker in the general. I think people are fooling themselves to think that the chaos and drama that surrounds Trump is not a negative factor. It is. Women, suburbanites, soft Republicans do not like the chaos and drama of Trump and that's why Biden's primary primary calling card in the 2020 election was normalcy. In other words, there's no drama around me. Now, as we all know, the press is mainly responsible for that. Trump feeds into it, so maybe they're both responsible. But I think over time, uh, people are going to see that maybe this is hurting Trump in the general election so much that wise Republicans are going to start saying, wait a second, we can't take too much of this. There will be other prosecutions, and there will be a good prosecution brought by Jack Smith that will be much more substantive than any of the others. And that prosecution may actually have some legs to it. So I, I, I question in the long term whether Republican voters are going to nominate a fellow that literally may be in jail by the time the election comes around. But John, while I understand and appreciate what you're saying, we we dare not ignore what's going on in the House. And we could have a Republican prosecutor somewhere in the country who decides he wants to indict the President of the United States, Joe Biden, and his son and brother and everybody else for corruption and uh, influence peddling and all this other stuff, it, it seems to me that the risk to Biden is that by letting it go forward with all the stuff that he knows is in his background, he could be extremely vulnerable going into the, to the general election in 2014 or 2024. Well, that's true, although, um, the question is, what state would have jurisdiction, what red state would have jurisdiction over Biden, uh, Biden's influence peddling? Because that's what it looks like he's doing. And the problem is, most of what Biden's done, if let's assume that if it quacks like a duck and waddles like a duck, it is a duck, and Biden is corrupt, um, is there a state statute that's going to reach that? 
that is not precluded by federal law. You cannot, there's certain, there's a preclusion as to federal law. Preemption is the legal word. I suspect that state laws are preempted by federal laws dealing with this type of federal corruption. So it's going to be tough for a local prosecutor to get Biden, number one. Number two, he's a sitting president. And there is precedent against indicting a president a president when he's sitting in office. So I think the best thing that can be done as to Biden is simply publicity through the House committees. I mean, he certainly looks these payments from this Rob Walker that went through Rob Walker to, as a cutout to, to Biden's family look and smell like a corrupt deal. These are not payments made to Hunter, but they're made for the benefit of Joe Biden. That's pretty clear. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I think it looks like there's real corruption there. Now, how much the press will hop on that and make us all realize that, how much the uh, House will do to publicize this. It was a knockout blow to Biden when this Rob Walker payment came out and payments came out. But immediately, it was taken off the front page by well-timed leaks out of New York on the Trump indictment. And everybody has been jumping on the Trump story, and it's taken the oxygen out of the Biden corruption, which he's loving. Now, can they get it? Can they get this going again on the Biden corruption? Maybe not. Maybe this whole thing will be so consuming. And that's one of the things that I, I, I don't know what I would do, but if I were running Fox News, I would make sure that the Biden corruption story at least got equal time with the Trump indictment story. Well, you know, it's interesting. The um, president's poll ratings just cratered over the weekend. Uh, he's down to almost his, his all-time low. On Sunday, OPEC decided they're going to cut production by one and a half million barrels a day. Economists yesterday and today are predicting that the average price of a gallon of gas will be over $4 because of this move by the end of the month, which means inflation for the month of April uh, will accelerate beyond the level that it is today because of the importance of energy. Um, I don't see how any of that's positive for for Joe Biden. And, and so... Um, maybe they don't have to go after the corruption maybe the the poor judgment will will out and uh um i don't know i i i know there are a lot of people who and i i hate to say this john but there are a lot of people who have very little confidence in the american people to make the right decisions and uh that's the influence of the news media well that's right and um uh, yes, uh, Joe Biden should be, should be, underlined should be, an extremely weak uh, president, especially when you consider the inflationary impact and the national security impact of not drilling for oil. Oil is not only causes price rises at the pump, but it causes it all around uh, because of everything needs fossil fuels, either to make or to be part of the product, like fertilizers and plastics. They're made out of fossil fuels. So inflation that naturally jumps whenever you have a, a, a rise in the cost of oil. Uh, so that's one one issue. And uh, and it also is a national security issue because 
Russia was just about ready to default on its sovereign debt when along comes old Joe. And not only doesn't rattle sabers against Putin, but but helps him out by raising the cost of gasoline and, and oil and immediately Putin gets richer. So this whole thing is very, very disturbing. Yet, uh, to have resonance, the major media must report this stuff. And unfortunately, Dan, I don't think we are finding people in the major media scene um, that are as articulate as you are <laughs> in detailing the effect, cause and effect between oil and inflation. And it is serious. It is long lasting. It's um, embedded. You're not going to get rid of it. You can do everything you want with the Fed. But if the supply of oil is limited, the price goes up. That's basic common sense economics 101. And so I don't care what what uh, Janet Yellen does. It, it, it's uh, or Jerome Powell or whoever is making these decisions. Um, I think we're in trouble if we don't start pumping oil. And Biden's too um, beholden to his progressive wing uh, on this this issue. So I think we're in in major trouble here. And the more this inflation spikes, the more our monetary system is is crumbling, our banking system is weakened. So yes, all these things should have an impact, but look at the look at the 2022 midterms. You can't ask for a worse record than Biden, and yet, you know, he did pretty well in the midterms. Now, the second thing I would say in that regard is this is my whole point for the general election. As bad as Biden may look and may actually be, the people in the middle of the road, are they gonna, you know? put down their reservations about Trump's chaos and drama, which the middle of the road looks at. And are they going to put that aside and say, hey, I like Trump's policies better, even though I don't like the guy? Uh, and I, I think that if Trump does get nominated, I really do think, just look at the polling right now. There are an awful lot of people that think a conviction is disqualifying. Many people think an indictment itself is disqualifying for the presidency. He is not going to be helped at the middle of the road by these indictments. Uh, it's wishful thinking, I think, for conservatives to say, oh, people are now going to realize how martyred Trump is. I don't think so. I think the media is too strong against Trump, and it is too much um, intuitive that Trump is at least part of the cause of the chaos that is coming out now. So. Um, I think we're in trouble if we if people of moderate to conservative disposition want a new leader. Uh, I think these this indictment, if it has legs, if the anti if the pro Trump reaction has legs within the Republican Party, I think all it does is doom Republicans to a defeat. I'm I'm sorry to say that, but I think I see the I see us tumbling over a cliff here. Uh, I never would think that uh, I would say that Gavin Newsom is going to look good, but I think he is. I think he's going to be the next nominee on the Democratic side. Wow. Unfortunately, John, we're out of time. Um, it's a pleasure having you today. And I, I thank you for making time in your busy schedule to talk with us. Uh, how can they follow? How can our audience follow you, John? Well, go to postgatebook.com. I've got my articles there at postgatebook.com. And also I've got a couple books that 
are essentially timeless. They're about the uh, the partisan media and how they cooked up Watergate and are cooking things up today. Uh, the major problem we have in our society. So we're facing it right now with this Trump indictment. So uh, people need to understand how this whole thing started. John, thank you for joining us. Dan, good talking to you. You bet. And we'll be back after this message. Thank you for joining us today. And we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com. That's bwradionetwork.com. And give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.